Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to another episode of the Wolverine.com podcast here. I am Anthony Broom, joined today by former Michigan tight end and now uh, emerging broadcaster, Jake Butt. Jake, welcome back to the show. I like that. It's got a good ring to it, Anthony. <laughs> well, let's start with emerging that. Emerging broadcaster, analyst. Analyst, broadcaster. Speaker of football. <laughs> well, let's start with that. Then last time we spoke to you, uh, you were kind of, you know, it was around the time of Michigan was in the college football playoff, had just won the Big Ten, you know, bouncing around podcast to podcast, doing your thing. Fast forward to today, uh, you just called a, a football game on Big Ten Network over the weekend. So talk to us about what that was like and how that opportunity came to be. They had reached out to me. It had been super fluid with the Big Ten Network um, in terms of what an opportunity might look like. Um, also been talking to other networks. Um, but they reached out and said, hey, you want to do color for the spring game? 
analyst for the spring game. Um, at first, I was like, I don't know, man. It's, I don't know. It's a skill. Like being a being an analyst is a very very hard thing to do. You've seen some guys try and fail um, at the NFL level. It was pretty obvious. Some guys that stepped up to bat. So I commend them for the courage because um, that it really really was hard, but it felt really natural to me last week and um, still got a lot of room to improve. But for the first game, I was pretty proud of how it sounded and, and going back and watching my film went really well. Got a lot of great feedback from the fans and, and felt there was timely, you know, facts and um, color that was added throughout the game. So I think we can really run this thing up and the sky's the limit the way I see it. All right. Well, before we talk, you know, jump into the spring game. It has been a little bit of time since you joined us here. So I do want to hear some of your thoughts on Michigan's offseason, namely, um, you know, coming off of the year that they had where you win the Big Ten, you get to the college football playoff. For a lot of programs, that's momentum, right? That is something to build off of. And it is still that. But there was the stuff with uh, Harbaugh and the NFL. There was, you know, some, some coaching staff changes, though. So, just talk to me a little bit about the totality of Michigan's offseason so far um, from your perspective. People in the media and people on social media are going to put a lot more emphasis on the things you just mentioned than what the reality is of football. And the reality is of football is when you have a good team, there's going to be turnover. Nick Saban doesn't have the same coordinator for the past two decades. People are going to pluck from Nick Saban's staff because they see success. Where success goes, other teams that need to revamp their program, they're going to look to the team that had success. That's how you saw Gattis leave. I think McDonald was leaving anyways. He wanted to get back to the NFL uh, to not have to deal with some of the implications of what colleges become from a recruiting standpoint. So this was expected. Harbaugh, he's earned the right to explore what's best for him in his coaching career. Okay, Some of this was expected. It, it shouldn't come as a surprise for anybody, but the fact of the matter is, is you're not allowed to have your feelings hurt in football. You know, this is you're getting these guys, these coaches, now the players, guys are getting paid a lot of money to do your job. So don't don't let your feelings get hurt and let it get in the way of going out there and doing your job. Now that is going to present its own challenges because you do have two first time play callers on offense, um, and that's that's going to be a challenge. Um, for them to get in the rhythm. I think their early part of the season schedule next year, the, the out-of-conference should be a good ramp-up for them to get in a, a good rhythm, but I'm confident in their abilities. Um, but fact of the matter is, is, is you return um, the majority of your offense. You should feel really good offensively about what this offense can achieve. Defensively, you lost some key pieces, but I thought, as we'll get into the spring game, I thought the defense looked pretty good, and, and replacing that production is probably going to look a little bit different rather than having just two explosive edge, rush, edge rushers coming off each side. How much how much credence do you put into the momentum between seasons? Like, for example, your 2015 season where you guys you know, won 10 games and at least in terms of what the national pundits thought, kind of overachieved, and, and that really springboarded you into a 2016 year where – it was year two under Harbaugh. There was a ton of juice in the building. So do you – like, is that a palpable thing from season to season? It matters. Yeah, it definitely matters. Um, I think what's more important is the perspective because leadership matters. And you have veteran guys that have been part of a very losing team um, going back to the COVID year when they just – they did not look good and they did not look like Michigan football. And they – 
people ready to uproot the program. And now you have a team last year. So they know what losing looks like and they know what winning looks like. So from a leadership standpoint, to have that perspective and to build a culture, when guys start to slip up and they start to act like a losing team in practice, those leaders can identify that and say, hey, guys, like, listen, is this what we want? Is this the goal we really want? We're, we're playing losing. We're practicing losing football right now. Or to say, hey, we know the standard, what winning looks like. This is what we need to emulate. So I think it's a perspective as much as it is the momentum. And I thought leadership was one of the big reasons Michigan was able to have success last year. So it's just another tool in the toolbox for those guys that are leaders on this team. Well, moving into spring football now, you were obviously you know, in preparation for being on the call. You were in the building a bit in the lead up to the game. What were some things that you feel like you learned about this group before Saturday's spring game? Well, you got to start with what are the question marks? And the quarterback battle was the number one. We didn't really get to see too much. I did see J.J. McCarthy in practice. The kid's got mental toughness and he wants it, which if you don't have that, you don't have anything. So he's not able to throw in practice, but he still is getting the call in the huddle and then he'll go and walk through his footwork behind. Every single play, he's he's doing something to get better. Defensively, you know, how do you replace this, this talent? You're losing 25 sacks to the NFL. You're losing the harder your defense and your middle linebacker and vocal leader, Josh Ross, he's gone. And then you're losing both of your safeties. So those are those are significant losses among some other guys that they're losing. So there's going to be some turnover. The big question is, how's, how is the defense going to look? I feel confident because of the coaching and the scheme that this defense should be in a good place. Um, I think bringing in Elston from Notre Dame, uh, everybody talks about him as a technician, a guy that has success coaching very productive defensive lines without really having generational talent. So you should feel good that even though we're losing Aiden and David and some other guys, that, that Elston's going to teach these guys the technique to go execute on Saturdays. Um, I, I thought uh, clink scale, what he's doing with the secondary and the way he communicates and talks to those guys, namely Mike Sainer still, and how, how quickly he's adapted to the position change should be highly encouraging just for that, that group as a whole. So it's going to be a group effort defensively. Um, and then the scheme, Jesse Minter. How do you replace the production? It's not just we're going to put in new t- two new edge rushers and they got to find a way to get 25 sacks. No, it's going to be a collective defensive thing. They're going to have to have creative blitzes, which is that Baltimore Ravens scheme that he comes from. And you saw a little bit of that Saturday. So um, I think I would be I, I'm leaving that game more encouraged about the defense um, than I was going into it. Well, let's move into the spring game now. So we'll go offense, defense here. The first thing we'll start with is you know just general takeaways of what you saw offensively. Most of that production comes back from last year. Uh, Cade McNamara back at quarterback. You lose Hassan Haskins from the backfield, but other than that, everyone's back. And and you look up front on the offensive line, most of those guys are back. And you replace Vistardis with a guy who was a finalist for the Remington Awards. So. Just yeah. in general, like, what do you feel about what you saw uh, from the offense on Saturday? It's kind of hard to say because a lot of your premier players are only playing a quarter. So you like your, <coughs> excuse me, you like to watch an entire game to really draw like concrete conclusions. But, um, you know, overall, I don't know that my opinion of the offense has changed too much by anything I saw on Saturday. I feel good about the running back group. You did lose Hassan, but both Blake and Donovan are more than capable of matching the same production that they got last year, the running backs. And part of that piece is the offensive line. You return three starters and then you lose a Remington award finalist. You replace them with another one, Olu Olubatimi, another guy that's really talented. So you got four, four guys across the offensive line. You feel really good about them in the right tackle spot. 
you have two guys competing right now. It looks to be Trente Jones that's leading that battle. Um, so you feel good about those guys up front. When you have an offensive line that's solid and a coach like Sharon Moore that's really solid, it's going to solve a lot of problems. You can lean on those guys up front to, to make plays. And then the depth outside, whether it's your tight ends, you return literally everybody. Your receivers, you not only return uh, most guys, but you're getting Ronnie Bell back. So um, generally, it's it, they they nothing I saw that was really detrimental. Um, nothing I saw that was exponentially amazing. I thought um, some of these young early enrollee freshman receivers stepped up and had good games. Obviously, we saw that. So um, we'll see their progression and, and how they fit into this competitive room. But offense did their job on Saturday for the most part. Well, I want to pause, put a pin in that for a second and go back to spring games and what there is to glean from them. Obviously, you took part in, in all of yours at Michigan. Our first look at you, I think, was in your spring game as a freshman. How do they change? Or, you know, how does how does what you work on change with every spring football that you go through in terms of, you know, going from being a younger guy to a veteran player? I was an early enrollee and we saw 13 of those guys last Saturday. So. I'm just trying to – my head's spinning, man. It's, there's no way you can fully grasp everything. Like you're trying to go to class. You're trying to eat right. You're working out harder than you ever had in your life. You're trying to learn a playbook, and then you're trying to go execute and compete that playbook. So it's really, really hard. You'll you'll be better from spring to – that that it's an exponential learning curve early on. So that from spring to fall camp, you'll be significantly improved. From game one to December, you'll be significantly improved. At that point, you have a body of work and say, all right, here's where I can see my role fitting into this team. Here's where I think I can help and compete. And you can go work on those things in the offseason. That's where you can make that big sophomore leap. One guy I'm looking at there is Andrew Anthony in the receiver room, guy that, you know, you got to see what could be last fall and his potential. And, you know, this spring, he's then able to solidify himself a little bit more and, and vouch for more targets in the game plan. But then by the time you're a junior in your season – you know, your first spring game, if they call your number, your heart's beating out of your chest, you're scared. Your junior and your senior year, uh, you know, when they call, when they didn't call my number in the huddle, I was a little bit ticked off because I wanted the ball every single time. I was that confident in myself. So um, there's a number of factors that go into it, but it's an accelerated learning curve. Each year you get a little bit better, a little bit more experience, a little bit more comfortable. All right, well, to go back into some of the takeaways, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. I know, again, they're not giving away state secrets or the nuclear launch codes in a spring game, especially one that's televised. But in terms of, you know, you lose, like you said before, those 25 sacks from Aiden and Ojabo. You lose two of your starting safeties, one of your starting cornerbacks, you know, a, a pretty important piece up front in Chris Hinton. I guess take us through how you feel Michigan is equipped to replace those guys based on what you've seen. That's going to be a challenge, you know. I mean, that's a lot of production, a lot of comfort, you know, when you have guys that are playing at that level that are able to go on to the the next level and compete at the NFL. That's comfort. Those are guys typically you don't have to worry about doing their job. So you have new guys stepping into new roles. Um, but I thought they looked pretty good. I thought they looked solid. You know, the, the big mystery is the edge rushing because last year that solved a lot of problems, man, is, is when you have it, David and Aiden coming off the edge. You just know as a cornerback, I got to hang with my guy for three seconds. And typically that quarterback's going to have to get off his reads and, and navigate the pocket or, you know, get rid of the ball. So how are you going to generate that pressure? 
I thought guys, you know, a couple different guys, it came from the inside, it came from the outside, and it came from schematics um, with timely blitzes. I think they're going to be able to generate pressure this fall. And I think, again, one of the big advantages, not just the defense, but the team has, is they kind of have, have an easy ramp up with their out-of-conference schedule um, going into Big Ten play. So as you're trying to figure out your identity, as guys are trying to blossom and show what they're capable of, you have these three games, which should be very winnable games for this Michigan team to, to kind of you know, get their feet underneath them. What sort of weight do you think it carries, especially in spring football, when it is so much about for young guys getting reps, getting comfortable? You know, Michigan has, I believe, seven or eight guys on staff now that played at Michigan before. I think there were a few on staff, you know, when you were playing, uh, you know, in the later part of your career. But how much weight do you think that carries in terms of looking up and seeing guys that have been there before in your shoes? Oh, I mean, it, it definitely matters. Um, and it, it, it matters because you have guys, it, it's it's easier to listen. You're more receptive to a guy that's lived it and walked it and done it. You know, and when a guy, and a lot of these coaches, when a guy says, hey, listen, you're representing the University of Michigan, the maize and blue, the block M, it means something. It means something different. But when a guy was sitting in those same seats that these players are, when it's coming from that situation, you got you to gotta listen. You know, he's not BSing you. It's coming from his heart. So um, I think that's been one of the big advantages uh, – Coach Harbaugh's done is, is bringing back former players that can speak from a concrete perspective of experience. Um, having Denard Robinson in the building, great. You know, guy that was obviously, he's on the cover of the NCAA football. He's the face of NCAA football when he was here. And I, I know he's in the recruiting department, but to have him walking around, um, you know, and, and you have a number, I think they said they have one player from every single staff going all the way back to the Bo Schembechler area. So you have guys that have lived through this changing college football that can provide very unique perspective and competitive balance, too. They know what it takes to, to play and succeed here, and they know the reward as well when you do play and execute and succeed here. So from that perspective, um, it's really valuable to these these players. All right, well, I'm going to give you a chance here to flex on your old position group, uh, the tight ends. To me, I look at this group with Eric Hall, Luke Schoonmaker, and Joel Hodingford and uh, you know, some of the young guys they have there, Lewis Hansen, uh, um, Colston Loveland, Matthew Hibner. To me, I think I look at that group and it's as deep as I've ever seen it at Michigan. I mean, what are your thoughts on that group overall? Yeah, depth matters, but it's going to it's going to be led by those two guys, Eric All and Luke Schoonmaker. You know, you need two you need two guys, especially in the system. You need two guys that, that you feel good to go out there. And, and those guys are like Swiss Army knives. They can they line up all over the field at receiver in the slot. They line up at fullback on the ball, off the ball, tight end. Those guys are the anchors and they can do everything you ask for. So they'll take the lion's share. They'll probably get 75, 80 percent of snaps. But then you have, you know, guys that can come in and really complement what those what Eric and Luke do so well. Um, Joel Horningford guy that can is a former uh, converted offensive line. So his experience in pass pro, if you need a tight end to be an extension off the line and pass pro, so those other guys can get out and wrap routes, that's extremely valuable. Those will probably be the three anchors. You know, I don't know how much deeper you get into the position group unless guys get um, injured. So for these other younger guys, it gives them a chance to develop, learn. It's invaluable to watch, you know, what they're doing to be successful to, for some of these younger guys to say, I'm going to emulate that and try to, you know, put this into my own game. Um, so overall, a tight end group, got to feel really, really good about it. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, but a good tight end should never be covered. 
you know, when you know how to use your body and you have a safety that's five foot ten on you. And I understand angles and leverage and how to extend and catch the ball with my hands. If a safety is behind me, I would just tell Jake Rudock or Wilton, put the ball away from him like it's a like it's a post entry. And I'm going to box him out and extend and catch with my hands. So, that, you know, I thought that was, those guys started making some really spectacular catches down the stretch last year. And it's really a familiar weapon and a big target for your quarterback as they're settling, settling into the season next fall. Well, a former teammate of yours is coaching the tight ends now, and Grant Newsom. I guess talk about how you feel about him as a leader in that position, and also what is it? You know, we're starting to. I'm starting to feel old. I mean, I'm, I think you and I are close to the same age, but what is it to? What is it like to see guys your age start to give back uh, to the program in that sort of capacity? How old are you? Uh, I will be 30 in November, so I think you're a little bit okay. younger. 26. So grants, I think grants about 26, but, Mm. um, it's a mutual thing. It's, it's grant giving back to the program, but it's a program giving back to grant rightfully. So, um, it's always, it catches your eye when such a young coach is put into a position like that. Like a grants really, really young. Is he ready? But really what you're after is wisdom and wisdom comes from experience. What grant went through as a player when he got injured in that Wisconsin game, I mean, there was a chance there was fear grant might lose his leg it was that significant of an injury and he walked off the field because he said hey i'm tough man i I can't let my i can't let my teammates see me struggle i'm gonna walk off the field don't bring the cart out then they take him up to the hospital and he's in the hospital for weeks on end wondering hey am am i gonna lose my leg um so for a guy like that with that level of character to come back to help the program and then to be rewarded to, to coach a tight end group. And it's a, it's a great, great position for him to be in because you have such a veteran room, guys that are extremely experienced that should be able to coach themselves and should be able to lead themselves. And Grant can kind of just nudge them and guide them in the right direction and, and help them split the reps and, and stay fresh throughout the season. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. I would look at Grant to be a guy that probably climbs, climbs the coaching ladder very, very rapidly. Same as like Sharon Moore. I mean, Sharon Moore just a couple of years ago was the tight end coach climbing the ladder, a guy they feel good about. I think Grant's going to fall in those footsteps. I would see him as a head coach one day. That's high praise. Let's go back into the team, though, here. I'm going to put you on the spot, Jake. If you had to make the call right now, what would you rank as the top three position groups on this roster? Mm. Maybe in no order. In no order, I mean – a lot of it's probably going to start on the, the offensive side of the ball because mm-hmm. you're returning everybody. I, I like the offensive line, and it's part of the talent. I think they have depth, too. Guys that probably could and would play at other schools that aren't going to play just because there's not enough room. And then when you have Sharon Moore leading them, you know, you're getting, you're getting five individuals to play as one collective unit. That's that's why they won the the Joe Moore Award last year. So you feel good about the offensive line. I'd say that that's one group that definitely stands out. I really like these running backs too. I think they're extremely explosive, um, and and obviously what they're able to do carrying the ball. Blake had a phenomenal season last year before he got banged up. We saw what Donovan could do, but people don't understand how much of a weapon it is to have a running back that can line up at receiver and run routes and catch the ball as fluid as Donovan does. Because football is a game of matchups. You just think typically you throw the ball to the receiver, but is a receiver on a corner as good of a matchup 
is 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 Mike Evans against Jalen Ramsey a better matchup than Christian McCaffrey against a run stopping linebacker? You know, actually, I'll take the running back on a linebacker all day. It's a game of matchups. So I think this this running back group could be could be really explosive. Um, I mean, I I, I feel it's pretty tough. good about the tight end group. It's yeah, I feel pretty good about the tight end group too. Um, I, the reason I don't say the receiver group is I just want to see. I want to see Ronnie be healthy, and I'm confident in him. I need to see some separation. I need to see one guy that's just a complete savage that when it's third and six and the game's on the line, I'm just going to throw it to him, and he's going to come down with it. You know, That's when you have a receiver group that you feel is really, really special. Um, not the sexiest answer. You feel great about your special teams. You're returning two guys that are that are uh, pro, pro players, um, Brad Roberts and Jake Moody. It's – it's a big portion of the game, man. I don't want to ever worry about my special teamers. I just want them to go out on the field, and I'm talking to my defensive coordinator or my offensive coordinator, and the ball goes through their uprights so or the field gets switched on a punt. So you feel good about those dudes. And there's just a lot of question marks on defense. There's there's definitely potential there. Um, but it's to, be, it's to be seen in the fall, and I'm going to have to see game tape before I start ranking their ability to to be rated as a top three group on this team. There's a lot of potential, but I'm just not ready to put them in the top three position groups yet. Sure. And on paper, it looks a lot like this offense is going to have to shoulder more of the load so that they are so good in so many areas is a positive for them heading into the summer. But uh, this is what we'll get you out here on, Jake. I mean, what happens next? Like, talk to us about what the process between spring and fall camp looks like. I'm sure it's a lot of conditioning, but what do you do for the next three months or so? From a player standpoint? Yes. Yeah, from a player standpoint, I mean, you should know very clearly where you're at going into camp. In some of your position battles, maybe some guys have separated and they say they're winning. Maybe it's a little too close and you want to create separation, or maybe you're the guy in second place and want to try to catch somebody. So from a position group standpoint, you know what you have to do to try to solidify your, your, your role within the team. So, yeah, you have summer lifting and summer conditioning. You should always try to max that out. But if you can do it in a way that's going to complement your game, like for me, I wasn't, ex- I wasn't an explosive tight end. I was never going to be a guy to run a 4-5. But I knew if I could work on my, my ability to, to accelerate to the 10-yard uh, 10 yard mark decelerate and then reaccelerate. Hey, that's going to create separation within the game. So for me, this was the time where I was going to work on my speed, my agility and my explosiveness so that I can go out there and, and really create separation in the fall. That's what you're looking at. Um, and, and guys, the guys that are banged up, get healthy. We have a couple guys that are banged up, get healthy, get this team fully healthy and competitive going into fall camp. And um, they should have a lot of success this year. He is former Michigan tight end Jake Butt, emerging broadcaster and analyst, as he uh, so eloquently put it at the start of the show. Uh, Jake, we appreciate your time here. Uh, Folks who are listening or watching to uh, the Wolverine.com podcast, if you're on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Uh, You'll get all of our stuff sent to you in real time uh, as it gets posted. Uh, You can find our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. Jake, I appreciate your time. We'll check in with you a little closer to uh, probably a little closer to camp and see revisit some of these, but we appreciate you joining us here today. All right. Thanks, Anthony. Take care, man. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. 
Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. 